BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hi there, I'm Randad Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. California reported more than 20,000 new coronavirus cases yesterday. That shatters the state's previous one-day record. Also a record, COVID hospitalizations, with more than 8,500 people now in the hospital. In Los Angeles County, Public Health Director Barbara Ferrer said she's seen, quote, terrifying increases in numbers and pleaded with people to wear masks when out of the house. We do have a choice to make, each one of us. Do we want to be part of the solution to this horrifying surge, or do we want to be the problem? Because where you fall in this effort now has a life or death consequence, possibly for people you know and love, but certainly for people across the county who are loved by others. Meanwhile, L.A. Mayor Eric Garcetti said it's, quote, time to cancel everything. It's expected Governor Newsom will order further shutdowns soon. And in San Bernardino County, ambulances will no longer respond to every ill person who calls 911 because of the volume of COVID calls, although paramedics will still respond. Los Angeles County will begin mailing COVID-19 test kits to some people's homes. KPCC's Jackie Fortier has the details. With the current daily average of new cases at more than 5,300, L.A. County health officials are doing whatever they can to keep those who are sick from mixing with and infecting others. This new effort is aimed at those with mobility issues, be they disabled or elderly. Dr. Christina Galley is the director of the County Department of Health Services. She says the pilot program will run through mid-January. Individuals will be able to have test specimen collection kits mailed to their home where they can self-swab and then mail the sample back to the lab. At-home testing allows us to reach even more people. Galley says those who want a test mailed to them should be able to sign up on the county's website by Friday. Orange County started a similar program last month. For the California Report, I'm Jackie Fortier in Los Angeles. Sacramento County Sheriff Scott Jones has tested positive for COVID-19, and as CAP Radio Scott Rod reports, Jones has been an outspoken critic of coronavirus restrictions. Sheriff Jones developed symptoms late last week, including a fever, headache, and congestion after coming in contact with a co-worker who later tested positive for COVID-19. Jones has been vocal about his refusal to enforce public health mandates, including mask requirements and breaking up social gatherings. Just last month, when Governor Gavin Newsom announced a COVID-related curfew, Jones released a statement saying his office would not force people to comply. Meanwhile, cases continue to spike in Sacramento County, reflecting a statewide trend. Jones is among dozens of Sacramento County Sheriff's employees who have tested positive for COVID-19. The sheriff remains in quarantine with his family. For the California Report, I'm Scott Rod in Sacramento. 
Unless you've been living under a rock, you know that prominent Californians, including Governor Gavin Newsom and San Francisco Mayor London Breed, are among leaders across the country who've been called out recently for hypocritical behavior when it comes to COVID-19 precautions, like eating out in restaurants and groups. We wanted to know more about the potential long-term effects of these actions, so we called up UC Davis professor Kimberly Elsbach, who studies leadership mistakes. I guess my first reaction is that uh, it's not that uncommon for leaders to do things that are inconsistent with stated beliefs and values and ideals. Um, What's a little unusual about this case is that the actions they were taking that were inconsistent were with very widely uh, distributed public health advice and things that have not only been repeated by them, uh, the governor, the the mayors themselves, but but many, many other leaders um, in in the national and and local uh, realms. So when you look at, at, let's talk about particular incidents, uh, the governor um, saying, you know, it's not a great idea to gather in groups uh, in restaurants. And then he shows up in a group in a, in a restaurant. Uh, the mayor of San Francisco shows up the very same restaurant the very next day in a group as well, uh, despite her public statements. What what kind of harm do you think that causes? We are all um, biased information processors. And so we tend to pay attention to information that uh, confirms our pre-existing biases. For people who already liked the governor or liked the mayor, it creates uncertainty among followers. They're not sure if this is th- the person that they thought was in this leadership position is holding fast to the ideals and values they thought they were, and that creates a lot of stress for followers. So, um, that's one problem that can happen is this creation of uncertainty. And then the other thing that can happen is the uh, the loss of integrity uh, or perceptions of integrity. And that lack of integrity or loss of integrity can really undermine trust in leaders. And finally, is there anything at all, Professor, to the argument that, hey, we're all adults here. We get it that some Sometimes you say one thing and do another. You know, the, they, it doesn't have to be that harmful long term if the response by the leader is to quickly acknowledge that they did, in fact, you know, partake in the inconsistent act. Uh, so I think that, you know, it's important to do as, as the governor did, which was just immediately acknowledge, apologize and reaffirm your, your values. Okay, Professor Kimberly Elsbach of UC Davis, thanks so much for joining us. You're welcome, and thanks for having me. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment, and if you love what you're hearing... And I know you love what you're hearing. Please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast 
with an S. Thanks. It's December, but wildfires remain a threat to California. In Orange County, a new fire broke out overnight. The wind-driven bonfire has grown to more than 3,500 acres. Mandatory evacuations are underway, and more than 200 firefighters are on the scene. Meanwhile, a red flag warning went into effect for most of Southern California last night because of Santa Ana winds and dry conditions. Kristen Stewart with the National Weather Service says wind gusts are expected to reach up to 70 miles per hour this week. We only had pretty much one rain event. The fuels are still very critically dry. And with dry air, dry fuels, and very strong winds like that, that could be very dangerous for fire concerns. Southern California Edison cut power to about 15,000 homes and businesses late Wednesday night. San Diego Gas and Electric pulled the plug on more than 20,000 customers. Both utilities are considering further shutoffs if windy conditions persist. A San Francisco appeals court has blocked the Trump administration from enforcing the so-called public charge rule. It penalizes low-income immigrants who use public benefits like Medi-Cal and food stamps. KQD's Farida Javala Romero explains. The three-judge panel at the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals found the public charge rule was likely unlawful and that the Trump administration failed to consider harms to public health and state and local government finances. U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services started implementing the policy in February. Matthew Goldberg is with the San Francisco City Attorney's Office, which sued to stop it. It's more important than ever that everyone, and certainly that immigrants, have and retain the right to get the public benefits that they are entitled to and need to, to get through these hard times. Critics say the policy has led many immigrant households to drop out of public benefits because of fear or confusion. The court's order means the Trump administration must stop implementing the rule in California and 18 other states that also sued. A USCIS spokesman says the agency is reviewing the decision. For the California Report, I'm Farida Javala Romero. In normal times, being a farm worker in California is tough. Now with the pandemic, their lives have gotten more difficult and more dangerous. A new UC Berkeley study looks at the toll of laborers in one corner of California and why some are hesitant to get vaccinated when treatments do become available. KQED's Alex Hall reports. The study surveyed over a thousand farm workers in Monterey County who were tested for COVID from July to November. Researchers detected a high positivity rate and an increasing number of farm workers who tested positive for antibodies, suggesting that one in five had already had the virus. Of those who tested positive, a higher proportion spoke indigenous languages, had lower levels of education, and were from outside of Salinas, the main urban area in the region. We have to look at populations that are being told you're not going to go to work because you're symptomatic or you tested positive. Dr. Max Cuevas is CEO of Clinica de Salud del Valle de Salinas, which partnered with UC Berkeley on the study. If you've got people that are earning you know, fairly low incomes, and if you chisel away at their income, then you've got some big problems. People can't pay their bills. People can't eat. Mental health issues begin to go up. Only about half of the farm workers surveyed said they were extremely likely to get vaccinated for COVID when it becomes available. The main reasons? Fear of side effects, concerns around getting COVID from the vaccine, and distrust of the government. 
UFW Foundation Executive Director Diana Tellefson Torres is part of the advisory committee that's giving input and feedback to state health officials on how the vaccine should be distributed. There has been discussion that potentially a vaccine could lead to having some side effects the first or the second day that you might feel ill. And so some of the concerns that have been expressed are also, you know, will I have to lose work if I end up feeling sick once I get get the vaccine? Will I be able to afford to not work? Torres says it's important to get accurate information out so people can make an informed choice about taking the vaccine. For the California Report, I'm Alex Hall in Fresno. And that's the California Report for Thursday, December 3rd. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Have a good day. Support for the California Report comes from Paint Care. Now with 770 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. Earth Justice, a national nonprofit law organization fighting for the right to a healthy environment. Earth Justice, because the Earth needs a good lawyer. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together. On the web at SchmidtFutures.com. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts.